What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Sex and Self podcast, a podcast where we talk a little bit about sex, and hopefully you can learn a lot about yourself. Today, we have, do you want to be Ella or Gabriella? Ella, Ella's perfect. Ella, Ella is the chapter president of Sex and Self at Concordia University. And she's going to be here to talk about what it's been like taking sex and self on as a person totally outside of me. She's the first chapter president outside of our McGill chapter. She's the first person to take the organization on independently. Uh, She's been doing a fantastic job. We just did our first collaborative event. Mm -hmm. So Ella, do you want to tell people who you are? what you do. And yeah, we'll start there. Thank you for having me, first of all. Oh, you're so welcome. We've been looking <laughs> forward to this. It's not like we call each other every single week and talk yeah. on all day long. No, no, it's not like we talk ever. Ever, every single day. But yeah, <laughs> we here. Um, so yeah, I'm Ella. I am at Concordia in my third year and I'm doing an honors BA in psychology. I'm also working um, at the MNI, the Montreal Neurological Institute. I'm studying psychology, doing some neuroscience stuff, thinking a lot about sexuality, um, sex and the brain, love and the brain, where love can exist in the brain and the relationship between neuroscience and our relationships with others. So outside of that, yeah, I'm the chapter founder and president of Sex and Self Concordia and just having a good time overall. That's what I'm doing. Just living, <laughs> laughing, and loving during exam season. Literally. Just just really honestly uh, waking up every day and doing my best, you know? And that's all we can ask. Yeah. Whatever that looks like, that's what I'm doing. So with everything you have going on, mm-hmm. what was the appeal to... Or how did, let's start with how you heard about sex and self. Like where, how did it get to you? So I used to run a business. So I've always been a busy bee. And um, I used to run a nail business. I ran a nail salon called Cult Manny. And one of my clients, I actually had a lot of clients cycling in and out of the salon who happened to be part of sex and self or like interacted with sex and self in one way or another. Um, I had a lot of McGill students come through. I think that's why. And then. I was talking to one of my clients one day and they were telling me about how there was a position that was open and I just kind of like threw myself at it. I was kind of a little bit hesitant, a little bit afraid because I think I'm someone who can sometimes be hesitant towards things that are maybe outside of my comfort zone. And then I was like, no, I have to do it. And after a conversation with one of my friends, she really pushed me in that direction, said that I could really do something that I would be proud of. And um, I went for it. But actually, I actually don't know if Felicia knows this, but a few months before that interaction, it actually just dawned on me. I just remembered that I had DM'd Sex and Self and been like, are you guys doing anything? Are there any positions open? And I got a response. I was like, no, not really. And then I was like, all right, well, that was my shot. I shot it. I'm done. And then the chapter president position came out of absolutely nowhere. But I don't think you and I have ever talked about that. The fact that that happened, but that was actually my first interact, like introduction to sex and self that, that DM shooting my shot and flopping actually on the first try. (laughs) 
I probably wasn't the one answering. Honestly, like I, I did it. I was like, whatever, we'll see. I don't even go to McGill, like whatever. And then, um, never thought about it again until the chapter president position was kind of perfectly placed directly into my lap a little bit. And wasn't it like for you super last minute, like you so last minute, it was like one of those things where you figured out about the well, position and then you applied and it was like a week. There's only like a week left. Yeah. Or something. So basically I don't even think, no, I think it had, I think it had closed. Like I was not, well, I was not really in the market for anything for a long time because I was so busy putting like a 235% into running my business and like kind of burning myself out a little bit there. And so I, you know, we were, it was back to school season. It was August. So I was like thinking about school again after not thinking about it for a really long time. And my, my client was like, oh, it's closed, but like, I can talk to Felicia and like, let you know if like, maybe this would be an option. And I was like, okay. And I don't even think, I think I just booked on your Calendly and met with you immediately. I don't even think I filled something out because I don't think that there had been any other, there was no, there was no real like set chapter president expansion thing in place yet. So I just kind of, I just kind of took advantage of that and um, edged my way in. Well, you did a good job. You're still here. I know. Somehow. You're still here and you're the only one. So I love that for me. Yeah. You're, you know, you're, you're paving the way for other people, but what, what about like sex and self made you decide like that was for me versus like, I don't know, uh, plan international or like a different organization? Um, I mean, I think for a long time at Concordia, like prior to the pandemic, I was feeling like we had a lot of like a a huge lack in like student community. And especially maybe because I was in fine arts at the time, because I was a fibers and material practices student prior to going into psychology. And it was kind of like too cool for school vibe, like not a lot of um, connection or like student unity. And so I was like having trouble finding my way into one of those um, groups and none of them really spoke to me. So when I kind of encountered sex and self, I thought I saw this really good opportunity to build it into whatever I wanted it to look like. It gave me a lot of freedom of creating something where I had agency over the community that I started to create for other people to be part of. And I think because I already had an interest in sex and sex therapy and wanting to do that potentially as a career or relationship therapy, it opened this door for me to be able to like explore that in a context that wasn't just academic, like, like an honors thesis, for example, in a few years, like that would be something I would have to do for class. It just like opened up this world for me to create something I had been dreaming of for like a long time. And there was already support in place, like with you and what has been happening at McGill that didn't make it as daunting as starting something from nothing, which I don't think I had felt like I had it in me to do following all the business stuff I had done before, you know? Yeah. Uh, So since this isn't, or this wasn't your first kind of like leadership opportunity, what were some similarities and what were some differences like between 
cult nanny and sex and self president. I think what I really loved about sex and self president was, you know, cult nanny, it is about profit, of course, because it's a business. It's like to, to make your living. But I think what people keep coming back for in the nail world, of course, is that connection that they have with you. It's not really about the manicure. It's you can go and get a manicure anywhere. Like it's about coming back and having an experience where someone remembers your name. They remember your face. They know your story. Like I could pick up on something that happened four weeks ago, meet people where they were. And so the similarity with that, with chapter president was being able to do that for students in other ways, like creating that space, but like on a larger scale. But of course, what's different is that with sex and self, there's an openness to be able to give it as much time as I want and, and can, can give without thinking about the way that it impacts me financially. So it's like always a dance in business of being like, I'm like talking like I'm a businesswoman, but I'm fully not. I was just kind of like finding my way and figuring out how to make like console that part of myself that wanted to be there for clients, but also knew that this was like paying my grocery bill, you know, Mm -hmm. and at sex and self, I was able to be like, this is my time to do this. I can give it everything I have. And I don't have to worry about me. It's not about me at all. Mm -hmm. It's really good to do something that actually had nothing to do with me or anything I was contributing to towards myself, you know? Mm -hmm. Did you feel like this was a space that you needed or do you feel like it was more a community that was needed? Mm, I think it was both. Like, I think in psychology, we learn a lot about like why people like act pro-socially, like so for other people and like we do it for others selflessly, but we, it makes us feel good as well. So it's, it's like a two way street, you know? So like, I think I saw this need in the community and my friends and a lot of students at Concordia being like, Oh, I'm having a lot of trouble accessing these resources or finding information, or I can't afford X, Y, Z that would help me feel more like who I am. And then also for me, I was feeling like I have no outlet to express or like create this world for myself that I dream of one where like, I can talk about, um, open sexuality and like also about love and relationships. Cause that's really like what I'm interested in. You know what I mean? I think like sex is a, a means to be able to discover a love for yourself and those around you and stuff and, or just your identity and your agency. And so to be able to do that for other people or help other people with that has helped me come into myself and also learn my role in all of this, you know? Yeah. And reflecting on your role because this is such a like a fluid space Mm -hmm. and I know that there are a lot of challenges being kind of a woman a woman in a position of any sort of power or authority even though you know the work that we do is like for the community it's not for us it's not for capital gain or anything Mm -hmm. um what, it, what has your experience been like? And have you had any pushback? Has it been widely accepted? What has it been like for you? Um, I think the CSU at Concordia, the Concordia Student Union, I think we're, I was initially very afraid of stepping on their toes and making them quite uncomfortable with sex stuff and wanting to fund sex stuff. But what I've found on their end, 
I guess I'm thinking of this on like a student government point of view first is that they're actually like, you can see it in the people that are in the power positions at Concordia and stuff that this is something that they as individuals need, you know? So like, they're looking at you doing this and they're like, oh, well, I think that like me as a person, like I could totally use this. So it, it, I think I was initially very apprehensive, but I found, you know, little to no pushback from Concordia, which I know is, could be different of some of the other institutions that like Sex and Self has been working with. Like, I know it's difficult sometimes, but I found like a real love and acceptance. But I think for me personally, interpersonally it's been difficult to reconcile like the the public image or prejudice that some people have towards this kind of work with my knowledge of like what it's doing for so many people and like what it's doing for me and my friends and the people even that are on the team but I think things like I posting about this like publicly on forums that I know like some super religious family members follow you know what I mean that that can be quite difficult but I don't know it, it's something I just completely shut out of my mind maybe that's something a little bit delusional about me but I'm able to just totally push it out of my head and not bother myself with that I've never I think my mom has set like a very strong precedent for me of just bulldozing forward and doing whatever it takes to do what you want to do so it's not really never been something I thought about really honestly (laughs) I mean it's good because it it doesn't or it won't hold you back in a certain way but I I found and this is something that you and I have discussed previously is that because the work is meant to be inclusive and intersectional Mm -hmm. sometimes a lot of the pushback is it, it it becomes very there's like this weird dichotomy of like you have to be inclusive and intersectional and that means you have to represent all people but if the leadership isn't representative of all people then it's not like it doesn't equate to the work that we do sometimes I I found I find that like there's a lot of expectation of doing it all but also doing it all like in the way that that person is requiring us to do it all and I don't feel like that pressure is put on male leaders at all a hundred percent I agree and also I think what I've realized what I realized quite quickly in this position is that like you humans are just by nature human I know that like is of course, but I think we forget that a lot, especially with this day and age and like social media and like this being kind of like an online activism platform. We often like conflate a lot of the efforts that we're making is having to be held to a certain standard that like we're, we're human. No one can do that. You know what I mean? And I think as long as you're doing your best, it's, it has to be enough. There's nothing you can do beyond that is what I've realized. Something that I talk a lot about probably in therapy is that (laughs) there's just no, at a certain point you have to just let go and, and be like, I have done my best and there's physically nothing I can do more than that. And that inevitably is enough because there's just nothing I have left to give other than this. And 
if your efforts are felt even in one person's life, you're making more than enough of a difference because it's like, what am I supposed to do? Stop everything I'm doing because I'm not doing it perfectly. That will harm so many more people than learning with my community will do them good, you know? And I think we're, my team has been like so instrumental in making things happen. Like every single person on the Concordia team is so incredible and so has such a wealth of knowledge and perspective from their background and who they are and how they've grown up that like we cover a lot of bases and we understand to not put pressure or um, responsibility on the backs of certain people because of their identity. It's just about, I think for me, I don't know about you, but making sure that the people closest to you feel touched by what you're doing. And then they'll, they'll touch the people close to them and they'll touch the people close to them. It's just like ripple effect. You can't account for everyone, but if you can account for five people around you, they'll account for five people around them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like as people who are raised women were often hypercritical. So with that, like hypercritical criticism Mm -hmm. comes interpersonal, like criticism as well. So it's like a very unhealthy cycle of just like, yeah, you're not doing enough. Are you doing enough? Are you doing enough for as many people as possible? And it's, it's, it's a never ending thing. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because we work in the nonprofit sector, but we're still obsessed, I think, with this idea of productivity because we're women, I think, or, you know, we're socialized that way. Are we doing enough? Are we, it's like, we're doing what we're doing. And like, that is inherently enough. And I think also like the, the cycle that you're talking about, it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy almost, you know, like the reality that you're living in the perspective that you employ was literally talking about this today is made up completely on your thoughts. And if your thoughts are that you're worthless, you're not doing enough, that's like the, the way you project yourself out to other people. So that's, you know, the energy that boomerangs back onto you. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it can become very challenging um, as a leader in general to have that narrative because then you have all of these people who are absorbing that, which is like not the vibe. Totally. I think it's like, you have to fill your own cup before you fill that of others, but also sometimes pouring that, that positivity onto others, you know, is the way that you are able to have that, like reflect back onto yourself, you know, goes both ways. Yeah, no, I always get such a high after sex and self events. I'm like the happiest ever. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but what do you think, because you've been in this position for like an academic year now, what do you think you've learned from being in such a unique position? Yeah, I think I've learned to, I'm someone who takes things personally, I think. Find <laughs> the club. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's because I'm like so attached to doing everything like right and like perfectly and like giving it everything I have. So I take things really, really personally. Um, and I think what this has taught me is to have some distance, have some mental distance from like the work that we're doing here and like at, like in the lab and like at school and like everything in my relationship and my friendships, you know, have some distance and be able to turn my phone off and 
separate my thoughts from like my actual mind at the end of the day, you know, go to sleep. Because I think if you let, especially with the work that we're doing where it's real people and like, it's their identity, it's who they are. It's part so integral to who they are as a person. Like if that consumes your mind with thoughts of how can I do better? Am I doing enough? Am I, am I good enough? Am I doing a good enough job? Like that becomes really um, like, what's it called? Like debilitating Mm -hmm. makes it really difficult to go out and actually do the work. And so to be able to almost compartmentalize this position (laughs) into like the grander scheme of like who I am has made it really easy for me to do it. And I've learned to be able to be like, okay, it's eight o'clock. Like I am not (laughs) chapter president hours are done. Like it is time for me to be a vegetable on my couch and not think about it. And yeah, I, I've learned distance. I wish you around two years ago because <laughs> I didn't learn that until I burnt out, which was really challenging. Yeah. yeah. Especially because this work is for, for a very long time of, in my life, like sex and self was me. Like yeah. I am sex and self, sex and self was me. Anything that happened to sex and self was representative of me and directly affected me. Um, and now I'm taking a step back into like a more executive role and doing more administrative stuff and, and more like mentorship and leadership with the leaders. Yeah. It's, it's now being released and it feels, I thought that I was going to feel so attached being like giving it, giving the organization to other people. Cause now my position is being replaced by six other people and having all those people do the work because I never, I never set those boundaries for myself, which was so, so, so unhealthy, but I thought, okay, to be the most successful, I have to work the hardest and working the hardest means working the longest and working the longest means having no life. And now I don't have a life. Yeah. Uh, and there's, you know, and something that I've struggled with a lot is like, who am I outside of this? Like, if all of this disappeared tomorrow, do I have an identity? Yeah. And like, the answer for a long time was no. (laughs) The answer was like, I don't really have any interests. I don't have any hobbies. Granted, I don't have any hobbies now. But like, I don't know if I have time for hobbies. Like, does yoga count as a hobby? I feel like, yeah. But to be like, who am I? And then to answer that with hobbies is just more of doing this. <laughs> doing things. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think it's like, I totally resonate with the idea of like, um, if I want to get it done, I have to do it. And I have to do it the best. I have to do it the longest. I have to work the hardest. And like, I think that that mentality is bleeding probably into like the, who am I? And then, cause I'm like, who am I? Maybe I'll try playing tennis and I will be a tennis player. And I'm like, no, who am I? Like, I am a kind person. I am a compassionate person. What are all the values of who I am that go into why I do this position? And like, how do those values stay constant when I'm not being chapter president? You know what I mean? The compassion, the kindness, like the, I don't know, the, empathy the charisma the charm the confidence yeah confidence is a big one confidence carrying that into 2022 2023 academic year 
backing ourselves in and out of sex and self. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely like, and it's also, I feel like this position specifically, and I guess, I don't know how well you have felt it, but maybe your boyfriend has felt it depending on who he hangs out with. I find that as a young woman dating and as like a bi woman dating men, sometimes it's like a very fetishizable like job. And I'm curious, like, did you ever feel any of that? I know that you're in a a relationship with a fabulous man. (laughs) Very rare. Very rare. (laughs) And like, I'm, I would put money on it that someone in the grapevine has said something. Um, you know, I think, let me think. Ken is great. (laughs) but also I think it wasn't fetishizing actually which is I think rare because I I can think back on all the people that I knew and interacted with before I was with Ken and like the way they would have reacted and 100% it would have been fetishizing yeah but with Ken specifically I think it was actually apprehension at first just being like what is this like what are you doing you know but just more like apprehensive curiosity you know he's he's very like um he's like a law school boy and he like does he comes from a different culture entirely so he comes from a culture that's uh, a little bit more religious he also is um just very serious very serious person who's very like driven and proper and professional and very um what's the word like just very kind of um not preppy at all but just professional you know what I mean yeah as we would say <laughs> good Becker French and so he's he's like been on the board of like the FBC like the Federation of Black Canadians and worked with like the Canadian Cancer Research like society and like has lobbied for them so I was like I'm doing sex and self <laughs> this is what I'm doing and he was like oh like what is it just trying to kind of gauge the seriousness very serious and it didn't take long for him to realize that it was like a very impactful thing so it's actually never been an issue it's actually been quite fun in our relationship I think to be able to be like what are all these cool products you guys are working with I didn't even know this existed he's a cis man of course so he's like never seen half of these things and I think it's just opening a whole new world for him but He's also never been afraid of me being in a position of leadership at all. Um, King. Yeah, I know. It's a running joke that I'm kind of like a, not a domineering figure in the relationship, but like the leadership I practice in the chapter, I practice in the home. So (laughs) yeah, I think I've, I've felt some pushback from, from other women sometimes, honestly. Like from women who I think are not really, who are maybe afraid of their own sexuality or not there yet with themselves and are, are a little bit uncomfortable at the thought of something so sex positive being such a central part of like my academic life. But what about you? Have you found that it's been like very sexualized on your end? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. Yeah, for sure. It's uh. I've definitely become a tough lady, mm-hmm. but uh, 
it's definitely like especially on the apps like I don't put I don't attach my Instagram and I don't ever mention sex and self because it's just like for for a, a while it felt like and these are with people that like I don't have a repertoire with I don't have a really like big relationship with and it either is like one of two things it it feels kind of like I'm like a high-end escort yeah yeah uh or they get so uncomfortable that they just like change the subject so it's like what do you do and then you're like sex ed and then they're like okay so do you like gnocchi like you're like well yes like yes and no yeah uh so it's definitely weird it's but it's not like I think at this point like I'm just like if you don't react appropriately I'm just like red flag bite 100% I think it's such a shame because it's such a beautiful thing that you've built like completely on your own and it's so like it goes so far outside of yourself you know it's not really about I think people love to like attribute it to you it must be something about you or you know only Mm -hmm. about you but it's like so beyond it's so beyond that I think I think to be not taken seriously because of something like this is like so telling of like bitch I take your JMS can I swear on here I take your JMSB take your JMSB degree seriously I take your um John Molson School of Business what's it called Days Hotel yeah club serious what about me? Well, I also have found what I think is really interesting and something kind of new that I've noticed about the non-for-profit sphere is that people are really interested in their own personal gain when they're giving you something, whether it's money or whether it's scholarships. So I've been denied a lot of scholarships for things that I think I would have been qualified for if I was doing something else. Yeah. I 100% think that if I was, if I founded a non-for-profit that focused on, I don't know. The whales. The whales. The whales and the pandas. Love the whales and love the pandas. But You know, that is such a politically neutral thing to advocate for. Not that the whales or the pandas are not in harm right now. The planet's about to explode in like five years. But like, if I was doing, if I had all of my accredited, and I honestly should try this, not that I, well, we'll see. But like, if I had all of my accreditations and I had it under a non-for-profit that didn't have sex in the name, I definitely think I would be subject to a lot of money. Or scholarships or like recognition. Like nobody wants to give an award. A table of white men, you think they're going to give an award to a girl who started a sexual health non-for-profit that focuses on like gender affirming, you know, practices and educational tools for kids on how to have safe sex? Like, no. No, yeah, for sure. I, I feel like I was in like this like microcosm of society where I didn't, un- like I didn't see a lot of, sex negativity you know but this experience has made me see the greater picture for better or for worse and see that there's a lot of people out there that are just not ready to have that conversation with themselves yet and it's like 
the old white men, I'm like, do you know how much you could benefit from opening your mind to this world? Do you know how much like beauty and like self-love you could bring into your life by just putting your ego aside and your fear for one second? It's all fear, you know? And the pleasure you could have from spreading your cheeks. Like, oh my gosh, like men don't even understand. Like, but no, a hundred percent. And it's all rooted in a place of trauma and fear. And like going back to like what you were saying about like having apprehension from women, like unfortunately that's something I've seen too. And like it, I, when I see women like that, I'm like, I feel so sorry for them because I just think that they're just a product of like, they're just a product of the patriarchy making them hate themselves. Yeah. And I've found that those women always come around. Like, you know, the thing is, is that you, there always has to be someone who starts the conversation, like the uncomfortable conversation. And the second that you plant that seed in someone's head, like even in the most gentle way, just by saying that it's something that you do, even if it has nothing in relation to them, like they will come around. Like it just takes a second to reflect on like, oh, like maybe if someone else is doing it, it's not so wrong that I want to, you know, explore myself or my body or my relationship to others. And then little you blink. And then four weeks later, they're like, Hey, like, how can I get involved? And it's like, so it's kind of heartwarming to see those people come around. Like, I think apprehension is natural with something that we've been socialized to, to demonize so much. Well, that was me three years ago. Yeah. Like I was a hundred percent that girl. I was a pick me girl. I was a, I'm not like other girls girl. Yeah. Like I was all of those things. And it, it took me having to like have some negative experiences and then me saying like, what the fuck is going on? Like if I'm so different and if I'm so special and whatever, then why are these things happening to me? Like, why am I not feeling validated by men? Yeah. And then, you know, you have these conversations with people and you're like, Oh wow. We're all having the same experience simultaneously to one another. How fab. Yeah. I think I thought that I had it like all figured out. I was like, no guys, like I am already a sex educator. Like I am don't clinical psych. Hold on. I'm already a sex therapist. I don't need her. I don't need her except please let me in. And then no. So it was like, I was going around being like, no, I have it totally figured out. And then like, it was still not going very well for me in that department. A lot of disappointment, sadness, traumatic experiences. And like, I had to be like, oh, like even the sex ed that you've been taught to believe is freeing for you is toxic. Mm -hmm. Even the ways that you've been taught, oh, this is the appropriate way to express yourself romantically, sexually in any way that you think gives you agency. It's still, it's still is functioning within like a, a patriarchal structure that makes it so that you're, you're not you. Yeah. So this experience for me has just been like, oh, I have to like relearn literally everything that I thought was wrong and that I thought was right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I think the most humbling part is that there's always something new to learn, which is like super fucking frustrating at times, but also 
I think there's, I don't know, there's something like beautiful about the new, the new, like whatever it may be, just like finding out something new or learning something new or science discovering something new. Yeah. It's just like, because it's such an underdeveloped field field. And yeah, like, I just think it's, it's so like, it's so transformative all the time, which I think is really nice. I mean, even from like a science POV, like I'm always lurking on like Google Scholar for like (laughs) neuroscience advancements in sex and like the world of neuroscience and sexuality and neuroscience and love is like exploding. It's so amazing to see. And it's like, it's like what you said about like the scholarships and the funding. It is so underfunded because of fear that like what we are seeing come out of there has worked so hard to be published that it's like groundbreaking it's groundbreaking research on something that will make us all feel so much better about ourselves you know it's amazing really beautiful so going back to you would there be like any advice you would give to maybe yourself like a year ago about what was coming I think think what I would say is I learned that detachment but also learned that you like it's okay for you to like make this about you (laughs) I think for a long time like growing up there's a lot of so much shame around sexuality that you're like you internalize it so much that even in ways where you think you're free you're still totally trapped in that shame So I think there were times where I was doing sex and self and I was like, oh my God, this is for the community, like the community. And I'm like, the community starts with you. Like, how does the work that you're doing apply to your life or the way you see yourself or your body or your sexuality and stuff? And how can you learn things about yourself or unlearn things about yourself so that then you can serve other people? Like I was trying to leave myself behind when like there's a reason I got into it, you know, it's me, you know? <laughs> so like let yourself feel what you need to feel to be able to move forward and like be the best like community member and leader and friend to yourself and like those around you that you need to be, you know, there's nothing shameful about figuring out who you are. That's what I would say to myself. Still, I'm going to say that to myself now because I think she still needs to hear it. Yeah, I think I need to hear it too. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, especially because the work is so personal. It's not like we're doing income taxes, you know, like mm-hmm. it's very much about identity and self-growth and love and development and understanding. And yeah. sometimes it's really hard as a leader to give that to yourself because you're trying to give it to so many people. Yeah. But I think what you said really like, you know, what is the saying? Like tip the nail or something. Is it hit the nail on the head? Yeah, hit the nail on the head. That's there it. we go. My dad always says something where he's like, because he's in research too, and he says like um, all research is autobiographical in some way. And so like with our work too, I've realized like this is kind of all of our our stories to ourselves in our way so I think it's good that we're opening up the door to just be like it's okay to let that part of yourself 
be seen by others, you know? Yeah, and I mean, like, you're the one doing the work. You should be benefiting from it the most. Totally, 100%. Yeah. Which is, like, which goes back to why I started the organization. I wanted resources for me, mm-hmm. selfishly. And it, it ended up, you know, spiraling more beyond what I needed. But the whole start of it was just selfishly for myself. Yeah. And then I was just like, okay, I'll let people come. Um, I mean, it was totally selfishly for me too. I wanted, <laughs> I'm going to be honest, like this, you know, it's a, it's a role I wanted and it's also in the context that I wanted because it felt like I could learn something about myself, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's nice to have opportunities like that now, especially like as we're getting into the job force and that's something I want to do is make this an employable opportunity, not only for me, but for other people. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's, it's really interesting to make your work so like personal, but also so like fulfilling at the same time. Yeah. I think like selfishly again, like this is something for me that I see myself doing in a different light, like forever. You know, I'm not going to be a chapter president forever, but I'm going to be doing, talking about what we're talking about forever, hopefully with, you know, in like patient therapist relationships, you know, it evolves, but the crux stays the same, you know? And I'm, that's why I'm so happy to have you. Because I think <laughs> that it's so, the work that you want to do and the work that you're doing is so necessary, but it's just so great. Like it's, it's so fabulous to see more people interested in the field and to like be the ones that are growing the field, which is also really exciting. Yeah. It's funny because it's like the field is still um, developing itself. So you don't know who is the people that are setting, like that are blooming right now could end up being like the defining members of the field of sexuality and, you know, that's what's crazy to me. You don't realize that you're a founding member of something until it's like founded. Not saying that we are, but you know, you never know. Pressure. <sighs> so hopefully I'm dead by the time they decide that. Hopefully I am long gone by the time yeah. that is like decided. to take my longest snap. But no, I'm so happy we talked about this. I think that this is so important. I think it's so important to talk about like how unique and dynamic the experience of a woman leader is and especially in such an interesting field so I'm so happy to have had you on oh my gosh I'm so happy to have been on it was such a pleasure thank you so much for coming and do you want to direct people to where they can find sex and self concordia if they want to come to events of course we're sex and self concordia on instagram we're not really on facebook but you can follow the main sex and self facebook and we'll post through there and other than that you can catch us on campus if you want to get involved you can send us an email and as for me you cannot find me online i have decided it's the year of me i'm disconnecting so i am now sex and self concordia only everywhere that's okay it's you're allowed to be and you should be exactly you can find me on linkedin if you want to hire me I'm <laughs> <laughs> just kidding you can't hire me Felicia already did uh, <laughs> I can only say I hired you when I pay you but anyways that's a different thing 
But thank you so much, Elle, for coming on. And if you want to learn more about Sex and Self Concordia, you can check out their Instagram page. Everything will also be linked on the Sex and Self underscore podcast page. Uh, So you can go directly there to find more info. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. Oh, it was so fabulous to have you. Amazing. Thanks again for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Sex and Self podcast for episodes like this every single Monday. Season three is almost over, so stay tuned for the last couple episodes.